You know, it doesn't matter if you're the person that's worked the hardest, if you have helped the poor, if you have even, like this man, funded a church. He says, I don't deserve to have God even come to my house. I'm not worthy to come to him or have him come to me. He knows the answer to who Jesus helps. And it doesn't matter if you have every elder in the whole Christian church speaking up on your behalf and saying, this is a good person. They deserve your help, God. It won't get his attention because God does not operate on that basis. But this man understood. Jesus comes. And when he comes to save, it's on that one word by which he comes. Grace. The following is from Rock of Ages Lutheran Church in Payson, Arizona. Reaching out with rock solid hope in Rim Country. June 23rd, 2019. Luke 7, 1-11 You know, sometimes something is so outstanding that it seems the only way you can describe it is by comparing it with everything else. Maybe you've heard people do this. They'll say, the food at that restaurant, it's the best. Or, as some companies might use the technique, we have the best donuts in Arizona. Or, now be careful if you do this with home cooking, you might end up comparing it one person's cooking against another. See, I was a guest at somebody's house once, and there was my wife sitting right next to me, and I, I was eating some pork that just tasted like just delicious. So I blurted out without thinking, wow, I didn't know pork could taste this good. But Jesus once was amazed by someone that he met. And when he saw what this man had, he remarked that this man was unlike anybody else. What made him so outstanding was that he had great faith. So this morning, as we look at Luke chapter 7, we see what it means to have great faith. This man was a centurion, it says, so he would have been fairly prominent and important in charge of a division of soldiers. And this centurion, it says, heard of Jesus. Uh, Really, it means he heard that Jesus was coming back to town He evidently knew already about Jesus and about the promises of God and what Jesus was teaching. But now, this was an important time for him because it says he has a servant. The servant is highly valued and precious to him, close to him. The servant is so sick, it says he's near death. When he hears that Jesus is coming back to town, he immediately sends word to Jesus that he would heal his servant. When you see the people that are sent, it says some of the elders of the Jews, they come to Jesus. And though this man was a centurion, we have to remember he was also an outsider. He was a a non-Jewish person, a Gentile. And so they reasoned in their mind, we better give some good reason for Jesus to come and help him and and heal his servant. So as they come, they, they give a pretty good reason. They say, Jesus, this man deserves to have you help him to heal his servant. You see, he's a good man, Jesus. He is. He loves this nation. He's a patriot of the people of God, and he loves the God of Israel. How good of a person is he? It says here, he helped build our synagogue. It's, really, he helped build their place of worship. And it says, out of his own means. How's that for good? He financed a church building project all of his own accord. And so they said to Jesus, he deserves 
to have you do this for him. That might cause us to maybe wonder, why does Jesus help anyone? Why would Jesus heed any call for help or come? Who does deserve him to come? Maybe when we look at this, we we know better, right? We know that Jesus doesn't act on the basis of what we've done. And yet, don't we begin to sometimes think that way? Maybe when we, we see this, we wonder, huh, I haven't built a church. But what have I done to make Jesus to want to help me? And we know that Jesus is, is not a God who carries out such transactions. And yet, doesn't that begin to creep into our way of thinking too? And we begin to think that maybe if I just do something for God, maybe then he'll help me more. Or maybe he'll want to help me more. You know, Jesus, I, I, I came to church this morning. Are you listening to my prayer? Did you notice that I gave an extra 50? Gave you a tip, Jesus. Maybe then he'll listen. Or we, we think that we're serving our God when we say, Lord, I checked off 10 things off the church cleaning list. Maybe you can check one thing off my list now. And we begin to wonder, who does Jesus help? As we sometimes think, maybe he'll listen just a little bit more if we do something for him. But of course, that's not the way that Jesus operates. These religious leaders in Israel somehow thought that's the way that Jesus could get Attention is if you helped him in some way or helped the church. But no. Look what this man says, this centurion. When he hears that Jesus not only is answering, but he's coming to his house, he sends word back to Jesus right away. His response, don't bother yourself, Jesus. He, he knows Jesus should not come to his house. He doesn't deserve that. Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do deserve have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. This man understands. Why does God help anyone? You know, it doesn't matter if you're the person that's worked the hardest, if you have helped the poor, if you have even, like this man, funded a church. He says, I don't deserve to have God even come to my house. I'm not worthy to come to him or have him come to me gets it. He knows the answer to who Jesus helps. And it doesn't matter if you have every elder in the whole Christian church speaking up on your behalf and saying, this is a good person. They deserve your help, God. It won't get his attention. Because God does not operate on that basis. But this man understood. Jesus comes. And when he comes to save, it's on that one word, by which he comes. Grace, that is undeserved love for the person who is not worthy of his coming and who really does not deserve him to do, have them to do anything for him. But he comes on the basis of grace. That's why he was coming for this man, the centurion. And the centurion recognized, if Jesus is going to help me in any way, it's on the basis of his grace. So we see one thing that makes great faith. Great faith is not doing great things. Great faith is not so much accomplishing great feats to serve your God. No, great faith is based on knowing a great God, limitless in grace. Great faith is based on knowing Jesus who comes to save in grace. But there's more. 
The man describes his situation even further as he says, For I myself am a man under authority, Jesus, with soldiers under me. I tell this one go, and he goes, and tell that one do something, and he does it. So Jesus, just speak the word. My servant will be healed. The Jews, evidently, that were sent, the elders, thought Jesus had to come to them to lay his hands or speak some word in person to heal him. But this man, he's not going to tell Jesus how to do it, though it might seem like that on the surface. No, he understands Jesus can save in a way that is far greater than what we normally comprehend. And isn't it that way, too, that we sometimes, in our struggle, in our faith life, think that, God, you have to do it this way. And this is how you're going to help me in this circumstance. God, you're going to make this happen. We somehow dictate to God how he's supposed to carry out his plan to rescue. Great faith is not only based on Jesus coming to save, based on him coming to save with all authority and by the power of his word. You know, if this man knew that Jesus wouldn't even consider him worthy, why did he ask for help? Because his faith was in a God of grace. And if this man knew that Jesus needed to heal his servant, he also expressed it could just be done with the word. Because he knows God will accomplish by the power of his word. You know, why did Jesus come to Israel? If when Jesus sees this man, he says, I have not seen such faith in all of Israel. Certainly the nation of Israel did not deserve to have Jesus come to them. Did not have great faith. And yet, Jesus came. For the same reason he came for that centurion, he came in grace. For the same reason he came for Israel, in undeserved love. For the same reason he comes to us, great undeserved love for sinners. And he might understand his love. Jesus himself walked this earth as he did among that place with that centurion in Capernaum. And Jesus came down and walked in human flesh. No, Israel did nothing to deserve that. We did nothing to deserve that. But to demonstrate his great love for us, Jesus came. He came only in grace. And the world would see how gracious and loving he is because he did not deserve, the very Son of God did not deserve to suffer on the cross. But in grace, he gave himself to set his people free from their sins. And though, no, Jesus did not deserve to have his blood shed and his life taken and to suffer the wrath of God on the cross, he came. He came to save in grace, to take the place of the sinner and pay their price. And by the power of his word, we now know he declares us healed, innocent. Even though one might say, well, Jesus, you have to do it this way. I need some sort of a vision or a sign. Or I need. No, he comes to us, the power of his word, and says, your sins are forgiven. Great faith does not need to do anything but to hold to that promise, the powerful word of our God. You speak it, Jesus. You say I'm forgiven, and I know I am. Because you rose and you conquered death. You are the God of limitless grace. You are the God of limitless power. And you have come to save So, why would Jesus help anybody? Same reason he helped this man, the same reason he helps you, the same reason he came for this world. He comes in grace, and he comes to save his powerful word. Great faith is based on Jesus coming to save. 
Great faith is based on a great God. He comes to save in grace and in power. Amen.